Leading a school district is a unique responsibility, and it's clearly not getting any easier. People rely on you for answers to complicated problems, which feels isolating and sometimes unrealistic. Conferences or webinars, even good ones, don't solve problems when you need it. And sitting and staring at slides with someone talking at you doesn't help either. What if there was a better way? What if you belonged to a national, hand-picked community of Java-alike school leaders who could circle up to strategize and solve your most challenging problems when you need it? What if you had access to ongoing content that helped you solve problems and lead every day? There is a better way. When you join Leading Ed Solutions, you'll join a carefully selected, highly committed group of Java-like peers from across the country, a support system beyond your backyard, school leaders helping other school leaders. Real people tracking real issues in real time. Simply submit your challenge. We'll circle you up with your peers to provide solutions. Our content works because it's accessible, practical, and created by proven leaders just like you. You don't have to lead alone. Apply to Leading Ed today and discover why circles are better than rows. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? My name is Jeff Rose with Leading Ed and um, I'm thrilled that we're here today. I know that we are gonna have a number of guests and for those guests that can't come, um, we're also gonna be making this available. We're recording this, we will slice and dice that and have that up for our members as early as tomorrow. Um, that commercial wasn't to actually attract people to Leading Ed because th these are our members but it does create a little bit of a buffer in terms of time. So as people are logging on, um, not everyone is as prompt as we need to begin. Um, so I am going to dive in and let me describe to you why we're doing this conversation, why we're having this conversation. Um, through tracking, whether it be uh, reading or individual one-on-ones in our members throughout, throughout the country, um, it's, it's clear that you know 2021 didn't necessarily just you know, turn from one day to the next and everything was just um, hunky-dory all of a sudden. In fact, we have, uh, our schools throughout the country have been struggling with um, dramatic rise in COVID numbers and so forth. And we also know that as we've experienced a rise at the, at the same time, we're looking at vaccinations. Um, a lot of states who have not been open, school districts who have not been open are now trying to open. And in the meantime, a lot of the school districts that have been open for face-to-face -face instruction um, are getting pressure to close. Um, so it's, it's just getting very complicated, actually more complicated maybe now. Um, however, we have had some school districts who have uh, navigated it. Everyone's navigated to a degree, but we've had school districts navigate face-to-face -face instruction. And I think, I think we believe and sometimes the best way for leaders to learn is to talk with other leaders. So um, we're fortunate today. We're fortunate that Tony Thomas, the superintendent and Amy Sykes, director of human resources for Northmont City Schools um, is willing to share. And um, basically all I asked of them and I emailed them late last week and said, we have an idea. And the, we, our members heard about this on Friday. So this was a last minute idea based upon the challenges we know people are head down in. And the idea was, would you be willing to share your story? 
Um, I've heard great things about how you've navigated this, Tony and Amy. So congratulations. And, you know, thank you. First off, thank you so much for being here with us here today. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, and the, my dilemma was trying to create some questions because we could be here for hours. Um, I first created a list and realized my list was way too long. So I'm trying to focus a, a list on these four specific themes, decision-making, students, staff, and community. But in the meantime, um, members, if you have a question, um, there is a chat button. Um, you can also ask a question. I'll be looking and monitoring those. I'll be pulling in some of those questions and comments. And then by the way, if there's a request based upon what Tony and Amy mentioned, um, Tony and Amy and I can talk about that later and figure out how potentially we get resources available for everyone. And we can probably do that through our, through our Slack channel. Um, so without going too far into introduction, I'm not gonna talk about your districts. Um, I'm gonna have you do that. Um, so I guess my first question for you both is just, you know, your basic narrative uh, of your district amidst this current school year. How are things going and what's the latest status? So yeah, we, uh, we've been on this journey just like everyone else and we finished last year with kind of the sigh of relief thinking we'll be back in, in the fall and everything will just be great. Well, um, as we were doing a lot of planning and actually we do have a reset restart uh, document that explains a lot to to our community as well as our students that we that we did outline under that that mindset but on july 31st our uh, our health our local health department recommended that all schools start the this this school year remotely so we had to, to make a, a quick um, adjustment and so we we brought our, our teachers in and in august when would have been the first day of school and instead did a a lot of uh, training with our, our staff on on how to use the ipads we were already one-to-one -one. we do have a pretty robust technology team um, we, we have um, curriculum people who are technology specialists and so forth and so we weren't we weren't novices to it but it wasn't the way that we really uh, planned to to um, use the iPads. They were more to be uh, uh, to augment what we did. So, so we started the year in, in remote. Um, however, there are a few districts in, around us who who didn't listen to the recommendation, and uh, our governor actually um, highlighted during his press conference the two districts neighboring both sides of us. He had those two superintendents on, talking about how well it was going that they were uh, back face to face. And so, as you can as you can probably imagine, the uh, um, the community started to ask, "Well, if they can do it, why, why can't you?" And so, uh, that and the fact that we were noticing that uh, there weren't big outbreaks at those at those districts and some of the other districts who were um, in in back face to face because they were following protocols, they were wearing masks, they were trying to social distance, they were doing a lot of those things, and so we started to look at that, and then um, we started into a um, what we call a soft start and Amy, so I don't dominate. Um, if you want to share a little bit about the soft start and how we how we start to ramp up to uh, fully face-to-face uh, -face option. Okay, well, thanks, Tony. Uh, the, uh, the soft start really came about because we really needed to get students back in school. I, I, I have to back up just a little bit. One thing from the very beginning that we thought was important was to have staff reporting to the buildings. 
Um, so I would just say that, you know, having staff report every day, even though that students were not reporting to the buildings was really, really important just because adjusting to all of the new protocols, spacing, getting around, it takes longer than you think it does. While you think that, you know, it could be done in a week or a couple weeks, we really needed all that lead time for our staff to be comfortable in our buildings to be able to bring the students back. But we started the soft start on October 12th, and that soft start went from October 12th to October 30. And we split the students in um, to two categories by alphabet. And uh, they came, they, we've, we just started with two days a week, two days a week. Everyone is a remote learner on Friday. And we worked that out. We started with our earliest learners. So the first week was only our kindergarten first graders. Then the next week we added in all of our elementary buildings, which have grades two to six. And then in the final week, we brought in the middle school and high school so that by November 2nd, we were ready to have full face-to-face K-12, well, actually PK-12. So um, that was a really good way of getting students back into the building, uh, kind of letting everybody get their legs back under them of having students back, uh, getting used to what the daily routine was gonna look like. And then of course, November 2nd started us back and we've been able to maintain uh, our hybrid model with a one hour early dismissal each day and all students remote on Fridays since that soft start. The really important thing there, the, our, our hybrid model relies on our own teachers to both uh, uh, give instruction to those coming face-to-face -face as well as those who are um, learning remotely. And so that's why we put that hour early release in so that our, our teachers could have contact with those remote learners every day and then Friday focus on those because we want to make sure we had quality face-to-face -face as well as quality remote learning options. And we just, we looked at some programs. We looked at, um, you know, maybe looking at uh, contracting that out. And we just believed in our teachers. We thought our teachers, nobody's better. And so we wanted them uh, involved. And that really worked out well because as, as most of you know, if you've tried face-to-face, -face, there are a number of quarantines that come with face-to-face. -face. And that was really a seamless approach for our students then because they kept the same teacher they had. Um, because a lot of them, it was, a, it was a quarantine situation. They were, they were perfectly uh, healthy. And, uh, but unfortunately, because some of the quarantine rules, that can happen multiple times. You may have a student at home 28 days and uh, has never been sick. And so we wanted to have a seamless approach where we could still teach those students and, and keep some continuity in their education. I think the other thing that was really important is that as we moved to that soft start, our community was very clear that there was a high quality of remote learning going on. And they wanted to make sure that if they selected their student or child to stay in remote learning, that, that, that they would not all of a sudden start to slip in the quality of the education that was being implemented. And so that was a, that was a very important piece of getting us back to face-to-face -to -face, was also remembering that remote learning has to be good. Yeah. And then, um, so remote learning um, that you've mentioned that a couple of times, let me just bring, ask a question about that. How has remote learning changed since when you started it to now? I mean, I, I think our, our, our understanding of remote learning continues to evolve. Um, and I think what we used to consider to be, you know, remote learning has, has shifted and changed a bit. So what have you learned about that process? Because I think I remember you saying about 25% 
of your students are currently opting in for remote learning, is that correct? That's, that's correct. And uh, we could spend the rest of the time talking about- uh, Oh, I'm are, sorry. What are, <laughs> it's called, we call it CIT, Curriculum Instruction Technology Team has, has done to, uh, to invest in our teachers. And also, and also we hired a community engagement person too, to, to reach out to our parents because we needed that piece as well. And so we could spend a lot of time talking about uh, the investment that we made, but suffice it to say, unless there's specific, specific questions, we went from using iPads as a way to augment instruction to being able to, to, to totally deliver. And so, yes, we've learned Canvas. We've learned some, uh, some things like everybody else that, that we really didn't use as extensively as we did before. But uh, we, we, our teachers are really becoming more and more proficient at it as, as they practice it. And they did really have to rein, uh, reinvent themselves. And, and like I, I uh, mentioned at the beginning, when the students would have been their first day in August, we, we had two days of nothing but, or two weeks of nothing but professional development. On top of, uh, I can't remember a time in our professional development days in the last seven years where we have not offered something about using technology in the classroom, not in this way. So I'm, I'm, we did have a foundation, but we had to do so much more. And, and uh, our, our assistant superintendent, uh, Suzanne Lentz could, could do a session for you that would just be incredible on, on how uh, in depth they've gone to, to augment what we were doing. Well, I'm hoping um, Suzanne um, is not going to be offended by the fact you just volunteered her for another session. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you, you mentioned this, this, what I think is a really important theme. And, you know, I say there's a, there's a lot of pressure on decisions right now. And there's a lot of decisions that are also out of your hands. You actually mentioned this interesting scenario, right, where you made an early decision, two districts neighboring you, sandwiching you, uh, made others, and then they received some support by the governor. And then that created a very interesting kind of uh, probably pressure for your district as well. So, you know, have you navigated the decision points along the way? And then what influences have had the biggest impact on you as decision makers? Well, um, I, I think if you call this a crisis, I think a pandemic falls under. That yeah, depth. I think so. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's fair to say that you uh, spend a lot of time determining what you can control and what you can't. And um, we spent uh, an incredible amount of time in, in our um, core, which, is, which would be all my directors, starting each time making sure that we were okay. Um, you can't lead if you're, if you're not taking care of yourself. And our, our, our principals did the same thing. They, they were making sure they were taking care of their staff, everything from doing some fun things to just uh, um, making sure that, that we were listening. And, and we, we were very fortunate. We, we've invested a lot in social emotional. So we had some really uh, great people on our staff that we could kind of lean into to help us with some of those things as well. But really it comes down to, I think in times like this, you, you've got to get your core values. You got to go to your core values and you've got to base those decisions on that because um, I've been doing this for 32 years and I don't think there's been a time where there was less that we knew because we were asked to make a lot of medical decisions which were not really our thing. And so we had to network. I remember meeting, uh, Jeff Cooper is the executive director for public health in our county. I remember meeting him at a meeting about five or six years ago and thinking, yeah, that's nice that I know him and I'm glad I can make sure I know 
how to introduce him to our nurses. Never did I know that I'd be talking to the guy every week, you know, uh, for the last nine months, how important it, so those networks became more and more important as well. You, you had to get as much information, good information, because as we know, there's a, there's, there was a lot of bad information out there as well. So Amy, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I would just say we were very intentional in how we positioned people. For example, Tony knew uh, over the summer that we were gonna need to meet with our administrators all summer long. So we had, we created opportunities for us to meet as a whole administrative team, even when they even when our principals were off contract, uh, because we knew it was going to take a long time. Uh, we took one of our school nurses that had uh, experience with coordination, and we named her a nurse liaison, and she became our our resident um, medical person. Not that she would give medical advice, but if we needed a medical person to give us some, some insights, we had her there. She talks with staff when staff are in quarantines to find out uh, just because some of the questions, I'm not qualified to answer them. So having putting a, surrounding ourselves with really, pe really good people, uh, Tony put together a communication team this summer. And that involved um, our information officer that was already on staff, hiring a community engagement person, and also hiring a family engagement person. And between or among the three of them, we're able to make sure that the communications are tailored to, to, to the audience that they need to get to. Um, we've tried to involve our association leaderships. I'm gonna be very honest, one of the hardest things since my job is labor, one of the hardest things has been the differences of what is allowed for a salaried employee versus an hourly employee. Um, and that is something I still, I, I'm still navigating that tightrope and that balancing beam because it, there's just different levels of understanding about what that means. So not only is it just paying attention to the information as it comes, but figuring out who's in the position to best help us with that information, break it down into chunks and get it out to, to the various stakeholders that need to hear it. Right, one of the many dilemmas as, as, as Tony, you were describing, there's, there's never been a time we know as, as little as we do right now. Well, the, the past language, right? Uh, not just policies, but also our you know, contracts um, with, our, with our teachers and our classified staff and so forth throughout the country aren't aligned to this problem, right? And so I'm sure you continue to bang up against that because a lot of the times that language that's really, you know, focused on managing the typical school year, and this is anything but typical, um, has created, um, you know, you have to almost start over. Like how, what does that contract, the spirit of that contract mean right now in a new world? Um, I, I assume that is interesting and challenging and keeps keeps everybody up at night. Yes. And we're still and we still work through it. And we're still working through pieces, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. We want to try to be as good as we can to our employees uh, as much as we can, but we know our mission here is for students. And so um, I just have to say that, you know, in, when the times get tough, it's what's best for kids. And um, fortunately, our staff, uh, by and large, has uh, bought into that. And that's very helpful. 
So you mentioned what's best for kids, because um, I will say there's, there's, I promise, not a, not a district in this country out of all 13,000 plus school districts that um, will say at a time like this, well, students aren't necessarily our priority. They will all say, right? We put students first. However, a person's interpretation of how you put a student first in this environment um, especially when there's such heightened awareness in the community. Um, sometimes they are armed with correct data and sometimes incorrect data. Um, how have you navigated that concept of we're doing what's best for students amidst a time that everyone has such different opinions relative to quote, what's best? Well, it's, it we have had um, some obstacles and, and, and we could talk about those, but I think I'd prefer to talk about just the can-do attitude that we that we did find in the culture that was already here. Um, I said that we were remote first first quarter, but right away our um, um, special ed supervisors were trying to figure out ways to get kids in because they, they knew they, they needed to, to have some face-to-face -face times. Our, our English learners, which I think we have 38 languages, we, we started getting them in because we just knew that they needed us. Our social emotional folks were, uh, were aware that either they need to get out to where the, the kids were or we needed to get them in. So even while we were remote, um, there was, there was a spirit that we needed to get to our kids and, uh, and that, that never went away. And, and like I said, now that we're back face-to-face -face four days a week, that Friday, we're still bringing kids in uh, because there, there, there are some needs that uh, just our people want to be a part of it. And so I think it was pretty organic in the way it happened. Um, I, I think when teachers can't be around kids, there's a huge desire to be around kids again. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of fostered that and, and, and allowed those things to happen. Uh, it was it was really not a top down thing. It was requests from from um, our teachers and, and and folks who who wanted to make a difference. Yeah, I have to give a lot of credit to our curriculum department as well because they, in a very very short period of time, were able to research remote platforms and what would be best for the district. Brought teachers in so that they would be they would have buy in and be want to want to learn the system. Then our board. Uh, granted us the opportunity to change the calendar so that we could offer the two and a half weeks of pure professional development. Some student now curriculum is involved with helping with student mentoring for the students that are that are having difficulty. And you know, I'm gonna throw out I'm gonna throw out some some claps to our business manager, our business director as well, because um, we were able to now create outdoor learning spaces at all of our elementary schools that are undercover and um, accessible. Um, we're looking at air systems now and we were able to get Wi-Fi on all of the buses in case we needed to use buses as a, as a means for implementing instruction. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We just knew we had to plan for any opportunity. You know, March through May was Let's get through the school year. Let's get our teachers evaluated. Let's get the students fed. Let's make sure we still have grades. We did not go with pass fail. We went with grades. Our teachers wanted that. They wanted, they wanted their education, their educational um, integrity maintained. And that was really important to them. But then as we started moving on, it's like, okay, now that we have a better idea that we could end up in so many unforeseen situations, how do we prepare for that? 
and now moving forward, we're going to be, we're going to have some interesting opportunities now as we look toward the future. That's um, in, in some ways I had this this question prepared about you know how you uh, how, how you support your 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 staff at a time like this, right? But you know already you brought up a number of themes in terms of you know Tony, you were mentioning how you just you, you trust them that they're what's best for students, right? Um, and and Amy, you talked about how you're listening and working and trying to figure out the, the wrinkles uh, along the way, specific to even contract and you know reality. Potentially, um, maybe then we could talk about, we talked about the MOU before this conversation. So you've come to some understanding. So as you try to support students clearly, you're also really trying to align yourself and work hand in hand with you know, your, your colleagues, your teachers, your classified staff. So maybe you can just add a little more uh, meat to the bones of that. I, you know, that MOU is, is really intriguing to me and I bet it would be to our listeners. And by the way, listeners, I, I put up something in the chat. Um, it's a link um, to Northmont schools and they have a website and it has a lot of detail actually. Um, I went through your entire county and looked at a variety of documents districts have put out. Um, it's interesting, some of the similarities and differences, but I will say that yours is really, really helpful. Even if I was reading through a parent lens, I could read through and say, oh, now I know what they're going to do. It's very clear. So um, just let people know that is available and feel free to add, add things to the chat or questions along the way. So you know, just talk to us about how you're working so closely and supporting your staff in such an intimate manner. Want me to take that one, Tony? You want to start? Yeah, I think we'll talk about the MOU and then I can follow up. Okay. Uh, well, the FFCRA said that, you know, if a person could telework, that, that would be an option. And we found that that was one vehicle that allowed us to continue uh, instruction to move forward during the time of the start of the school year to when that sunsetted, sunset, I guess, in December of 2020. Um, but then I, I wanted to talk to our teachers because right at, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we had a serious spike in quarantines and cases uh, to the point that people were asking, why are you still open? What are you doing? And I, we realized that if we were going to have teachers in quarantines, I mean, we had some teachers that ended up in 24, 28 days of quarantine, but they were never sick. So that took me to the teachers association and said, hey, can we talk about a way to keep that moving forward? And of course the benefit for the employee is that if they're teleworking, they're not using their accumulated sick leave. So this helps maintain their accumulated sick leave if they're able to work. I'm gonna be honest, I think we get a much better benefit out of it because we get the regular employee still doing the lesson plans, working hand in hand with the substitute that's in the classroom. Yes, there are times we're paying the teacher and we're paying the substitute, but we have decided that's just the cost of doing business right now. And that's just something we're just going to have to absorb in order to maintain a high quality education. And that has, that has worked a lot um, it, to our benefit. Uh, we went ahead and made that MOU through the end of the school year, knowing that we may not need it that long, but we went ahead and covered ourselves. We're really hoping that we won't need it all the way till June, but it's there in case. Um, but, you know, even now I have a lot of uh, what I call, I, there, we have a lot of pregnancies right now. 
And so for a lot of those teachers, they have to quarantine two weeks before delivery. And to be able to offer them telework saves them their sick leave and keeps that teacher in the classroom two more weeks before turning it over to a long-term sub who now has the opportunity to learn the remote platform, collaborate with the teacher, whether it be face-to-face -face or through Google Meets, and really help create a good continuity when it comes to the delivery. Yeah, and, and Amy's just done a great job of fostering that uh, with, with leadership in both unions. Um, you know, example would be last week, there was an informational meeting about vaccines and uh, um, a leader from the Teamsters and a leader from OEA and myself logged in and then we created together the message out to the rest of the staff because there were only limited seats. And so just including um, folks in, in the decision-making and the, as much information as you can get them. And, and I think this time I've spent a lot of time saying, this is all the information we have, folks. We're not hiding anything from you. It's just, we don't have it, you know, and, and, and they, they need to hear that too, so. Yeah, just about every message has a disclaimer that all of it could change in a moment. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah this, this is what we know right now. Mm -hmm. um, and be ready to blink because it could be different in a minute, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, I think number one, I think what a great, what a great um, model that you created, Tony, that, you know, that, that message, uh, that collaborative message, um, because that makes a huge difference, right? When you have your, both your associations, et cetera, supporting, you know, actually owning the message with you, um, that probably goes a long way in terms of, you know, creating consistency within the community. Um, but that being said, at a time when there's such deep polarization, right, with our community and politically and COVID related, right? This is not something everyone is holding hands with and seeing kumbaya with, right? Because people have such dramatic fears and perspectives on, 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 on COVID. So how are you communicating, but how are you also listening with the community at a time like this, when I assume you have people here and you have people here? We do it in, in our, uh, this is a district that has, uh, all folks represented. Uh, sure. The northern part of our district looks like rural America. The middle part looks like suburban USA, and the uh, the southern part um, borders Dayton and looks looks very urban. So, uh, um, it, communication here is very important because of that diversity that, that we have. Um, we've been working um, th through a lot of different venues, but one is. Uh, um, something called Equity Fellows, where we've been engaging our parents through um, focus groups. So it's not just, I mean, we, we still do, uh, uh, we're what's called an aspiration school. So we do still do surveys and things, but this is actually having principals or actually sometimes consultants come in and just listen and then feed us that information. Uh, we also did hire um, a community engagement uh, person over the summer. Uh, that was something that we really thought was important as, as um, we continue to um, fulfill our strategic plan and, and communication is a big part of that strategic plan. And so we um, have, and her office is right next to mine. So she's constantly giving me feedback. Hey, here's, here's what I'm, I'm hearing. Here's, here's something we need to address. So it's, it's not just us sending out information. It's trying to, to mine um, the, 
information that's out there, the concerns that are out there, because if, if you're missing what they're concerned about, you can communicate all you want, but you're not taking away any of the fear. So we're, we're trying to find out what the, what the concerns are. Um, and being a diverse district, that is incredibly important because uh, we all know that, uh, you know, how, how the pandemic has, has, has impacted minorities more and that, uh, you know, the, the vaccine, whether or not uh, um, the minority populations feel included. And so we, we needed to address that. We needed to have our, uh, our ear to the, to the ground and know what's going on. So. You have, uh, is it between five and 6,000 students? Is that correct? Yes, just over 5,000. Okay. All right. Um, so when you think like recommendations for other district leaders, so there's, we have district leaders all, all over the country that are, um, that are, that are trying to open, right? And then there are some that are open that are just trying to stay that way. Um, I assume that you've had, you know, a lot of ups and downs every single day. Um, this has been extremely chaotic, but I also imagine that your learning has just been through the roof. So have you, as you have learned, what sort of recommendations, uh, specific ones would you have for other district leaders? Well, I think the key for this phase, and there's another phase coming that we haven't even talked about, but the key for this phase has been that parents have had choice, families have had choice. And so that, that made this, uh, um, so that we can satisfy the vast majority of our, our public. And, and it's obvious, you know, the fact that they 75% of them sent their children, they're, they're voting with their feet to some extent. So they supported that decision. But we understand the concerns out there. We know every family situation is different. And, and until there's uh, more vaccines, until there's, there's uh, more assurances that there, there won't be um, breakouts and so forth in our community, um, we still have that remote option. That next bridge of when it's more of a coming back to school and, and remote learning is more just back to augmenting, I think that's one that we're, we're really spent a lot of time talking about. When is that? How do we get there? What, what are the indicators? What's, what's the data we need? And we're still not there on that one. We're, it's, we're all in this together on that one. But, but this has been stable. We've, we've had kids in, in four days a week and um, we, we did the week after break, we, we went remote for a week because the week after Thanksgiving, we, we, those were the two days we had our, our biggest reports of, of COVID positive cases. So we learned a lesson there. So we're trying to make it scientific. We're trying to use data um, to make these decisions. And if you can back it up that way, um, it, it seems to work. Um, but right now the choice allows you a lot of leeway because mm -hmm. parents, families can opt for remote right now. And I'm just going to say there were, you know, this is one of those situations where there are no shortcuts. You know, I was telling Tony, I went back to what I learned in grad school, that you have to communicate with your multiple stakeholders internally and externally. You have to have multiple forms of communication. That communication has to include opportunities for input and feedback. It's got to be informed by data. But then, you know, we have to be understanding to what people are going through, but driven for our purpose. And our purpose is an exceptional education. So there was no, you know, you can't shortcut it either. Um, even though in COVID, you wanna to try to make decisions and move forward. I, I realized that was one thing about Northmont is that, you know, while I always think there's a little bit of a disconnect between theory and practice, Northmont does a really great job of taking theory and making it practice. And in this case, 
We really, we did the things that I was taught, <laughs> that I was taught in my administrator school I needed to be doing. And Tony has lived those principles and really steered our ship, um, in, you know, in impossible times. And we, we all look to his leadership because he has been very steady and very, very purpose-driven with us. And that has helped given us all the direction we need to know what to do. Tony, you mentioned another phase. You said in the, you know, this other phase is, it was is that the phase you're talking about where when we do come back and then, um, you know, so say in your district more than seventy five percent, and then you're using what you've learned along the way to augment. Is that what you were referring to? Right. I mean, is remote learning going away? Well. I think businesses have changed. I think people are going to be working remotely. Your business works really well in this environment as an example. And, 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 you know, our chamber of commerce that I'm a board member of, they're talking about how things have changed. So things have changed for us, but will we always have the option of 25% of our kids um, learning remotely? I don't think so, because can we afford to continue to have a Friday remote day? Can we afford to let school out a, an hour early? indefinitely. Somehow we've got a, another transition that we've got to make. And when that is, how we make that, that's where we are. But remote learning is not going away, but it's, it's going to look different than our current model that we're living in today. Got it. I appreciate, I appreciate you thinking about that. And Amy, you're, you have a big task coming up. We were talking ahead. So, um, you know, that was, that was new information to me, right? So here you go, vaccinating, you know, your... Yeah your staff, will you just tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, we had a, the, the, Tony helped secure the partner. So I, I have to say that getting the partner was a big step forward. Uh, since then, I've been in touch with the partner. They did a site visit and told us how they're going to implement the vaccine, the vaccine program, so to speak. Um, so the logistics are in place, but I'll be honest, it's a, the first distribution is this Friday and we still don't have the scheduler. The scheduler will be coming out tomorrow. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a leap of faith with our provider because they say that they're doing, they're, they're giving out between 1000 and 2000 shots a day and they know what they're doing. Um, and then I have, I have corralled those folks that I have depended on, my nurse liaison, my administrative assistant, um, you know, the principal of the building in which we're going to hold the distribution to try to uh, make sure that it's as smooth for folks as possible. Uh, there's, still, there's still a few things I don't know, but I know that shots are coming on Friday and we've got 550 staff members that are willing to take, that have committed to that. And I want it to be the best experience I can for them. And I'm trying to make sure those logistics match that. So, um, but everybody's been great to work with up to this point. So even with all of the apprehension, um, many people understand that we are very fortunate that our governor has put educators in the priority list to be getting these vaccinations. And most of our staff do realize that this is not afforded in many other states. It's not all states are acting or approaching it the way Ohio is. And um, we're fortunate. Um, I also have to, our ESC that we work with as well has been very, very helpful um, in keeping our, in, in meeting with our superintendents and giving us information and trying to, trying to help it, help us so that we can do all we can. 
So we'll see how Friday goes. Um, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, they, they say they're going to vaccinate between 10 and four. So you can do the math and they want breaks and lunch. So you can do the math there and think about 550 people in five hours in a school environment where you have to stay socially distant. Um, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, it really is. This is a challenge, but I want it to be done well. <laughs> I'm tempted to, to travel there and see if I can sneak in line. Uh, we'll take a picture. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so- I, I, wanna, I wanna add something that, that Amy talked about. I know we talked about for vaccine purposes, but the other thing, the other network that I haven't talked about is just the network of superintendents here in this county and the, and the ESC as well. We've. Uh, uh, we typically meet once a month. We've been meeting every week since this started and, and just having that network of, of folks. I've got a great team here. I, I couldn't believe it more. But sometimes you just have to, to go out to other superintendents to, to uh, see what they're doing. And so we all thought it'd be so easy just to go remote and create these little academies. And, and, and when you start scheduling, it doesn't work. And you got to go, you got to go back to somebody else and say, is this not working for you either? No, it's not working for us either. So it, it just helps to hear those kind of things as well. So. Well, it's actually the reason this is helpful for people. I know because um, there's no, there's no playbook for any of this, right? We don't have history to fall back on as to how this is managed. So people are leaders like yourselves are figuring this out and every community is different. But in the meantime, some of the learnings across the country, um, if shared, can really help one another. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really a thank you to you. And looking back, right, um, when I wrote this question, I thought how funny this sounds, because I'm looking back into, say, 2020 or the past year, you know, hindsight's 2020, and there's a joke in there somewhere, right? Because that doesn't mean to be a pun around, you know, 2020 being hindsight, but, um, Looking back, what what are you proud of? Of course, you've mentioned some of those things. Maybe what would you do differently? Um, you know, of course, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know then. But you know, are there things that you went okay? Knowing what I know now, um, I would have zigged when I should have zagged. How would you have done that? And what would your reflections be? Well, the obvious answer is we. Uh... We met a lot and we usually developed plans A through Z. So if we went back, we'd know just to go with plan D instead of developing all those plans that would have saved a lot of time. But I don't think we could, uh, we could ever do that. But you know, the, the process that we've been through, um, I, I, I try to be an optimist, I guess, and say that uh, we've been refined by this. So uh, going through this has made us better, but boy, just the, if, if there could have been a way to, to streamline everything that we did, uh, because you, you sorted through a lot of uh, a lot of bad ideas or ideas that wouldn't work to get to uh, the ones that did, you know, and so that that was a struggle because I just I felt bad for everybody that was putting so much time to make this this work. So if there would have been a way to, to sort through that, it'd be mm -hmm. just for the mental health of all the folks that work here would be well worth it, but, but maybe we're better because of it. I don't know. So. I, I would agree with Tony um, that the, the topsy-turvy nature of how we were able to get to where we are, um, that was exhausting. Uh, it, it, it's still exhausting to think about that, that we're just constantly in a state of, of moving to the next level. 
which you always do in education, but the accelerator has been hit at, an, at a speed none of us, I think, could have anticipated. Um, and then it's, we're tired, but it's a good tired. <laughs> um, and so it doesn't give you a lot of time to really think about what you did, what, you know, you take, you take the things that you know didn't work well and you make sure you don't do those things again, but you're always moving forward. And right now I'm, I'm still not to the point where I've really had a chance to debrief this whole year yet, you know, because, you know, you come in and you find out what the challenge is coming next and you start preparing for that. And I, as Tony said, you go through plan A to Z when really you may not need all of those and that's, that's tough, but then you never know, you may have to go back to, go back to plan P at some point. So it so while all that work is hard, sometimes it might be off or not, but it might not be too down the road. You just you just never know. I gotta say though that having our expectation for our staff to come to work, even when the students were not here, I would just say that I had no one thing I did not I underestimated. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I underestimated the length of time that it took our staff to adapt to being in our buildings every day in whatever the situation was in this climate. Um, and we needed that time so that it was right for students. Um, that's just, uh, that would be one of my things I would just say, if you think, oh, we'll have the staff back three or four days before the students, they will need longer than that, um, for sure. That's really good input. I, between, you know, um, you know, sometime this week, I'll make sure that in our, um, you know, on our Slack channel, we do some sharing of some of the, the work that you've done. I, I want, I'll try not to add to your plate, but, um, you know, maybe I'll request um, some documentation of the MOU. I'll make sure that, you know, some of the documentation you've put out publicly is available. We'll, we'll kind of hunt that down and create a channel. And so as other people have requests or channels and so forth, uh, questions, for you requests along the way, we'll let you know. Um, but like if, if I were sitting in your seat um, and didn't know you, um, this information would be considered gold. So um, I, I thank you very much for willing to share, share this. And Tony, your email to me over the weekend was, you know, we're, we're better when we share. Um, well, we're better when, when we're shared too, you know, from other leaders. So. Um, this is fantastic, and I thank you so much for being willing to do this for our members. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and I'll just end by saying, is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Well, I, you know, it's, it's a hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime type um, <laughs> topic that we're, that we're dealing with, and I guess if it does happen again, we'll be more prepared, but uh, just... Um, my, my big takeaway from this whole thing, and I just, we have a grow our own program and I just uh, presented to them last Friday on, on basically this, but uh, I think know your core values, land on the right side of history, do the right thing and you can't go wrong. Are the two of you taking care of yourselves? Go, go ahead, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'll do that. I'll say it this way. I went and got a puppy. So I did like a lot of people did. I got a puppy. I and so so I I get to go home and when I go home, she needs my attention and that 
that's been very helpful. <laughs> Didn't I hear you say, Amy, that you're having, you know, you're seeing a lot of pregnancies right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this case, it's a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> in my case, my grandson moved to town, so that's uh, that. That's my help, my self help. I can. <laughs> That, that, that counts. Um, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, um, I know you appreciate Tony and Amy as much as I do. Um, this Thursday, we'll be having uh, another one of these with um, a different district, um, Chesapeake in Virginia, um, and has some similarities and some differences. They, they have been open uh, amidst some, really ch some major challenges and pressure, uh, a larger system. Um, and so we'll get information out about that and they will also have a team joining us. And um, once again, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Tony, Amy, you're awesome. And I can see why you were highly recommended to me that I have to talk to you. Um, so much appreciated. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Take care, All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.